0: So welcome to When I Found Grace Podcast. Today, we continue our journey with part three of answering our question, what is grace? By grace you have been saved. We took a look at Abraham and Sarah and really how they're pictures of such important aspects of our faith. You know, first, Abraham, he's he's the picture of faith. And then Sarah, she's she's this picture of, of grace. And, and so we're going to continue to dive into that today. But before we continue, uh, I... I do want to say, if you have questions that you would like answered, I want you to feel free to go to my website, www.foundgrace.org, and submit your question on the contact page. Um, And every time that you submit that, I'm going to take a look at it. And hopefully what we're going to do is is read it, and I'll be able to answer that question on a future episode. Uh, One question I received this week uh, from a a brother of ours, Joseph, he asked the question, Do you believe in modern apostles in the broad definition as one sent out to share the word? And that's a a great question, apostles. uh, This is a a fun word to, to deal with. Um, this is a, a word that in our modern day has kind of become a, a little bit um, maybe misconstrued or or a little bit like we don't understand it so much. But, you know, to, to answer the question, uh, first, in my thoughts, in my belief, and where we are, the question was, do you believe in modern apostles? And and so the the question and the answer to that question I, I think you find it in Ephesians chapter four verse eleven and twelve. It, it says this: and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so my belief in in what I see is I, I'm not a, a believer in that any of the gifts have stopped or ceased at this point. And neither do any of the callings, do I believe, have stopped or ceased. And so if we're going to take scripture for what it's at, we see that he gave some as apostles. And so to as a generic answer, then yes, clearly apostleship is a calling, um, just like an evangelist, a pastor, and a prophet are. You know, so to, to even understand it better, you have to look at the Greek word, which is just that apostolos um, in the Greek that this is coming from. And the, the word comes from, it's a shipping term, actually a naval term, which is a naval expedition um, or its commander. Um, it's in in this idea that it's a ship ready for departure. So the word, it, it literally means... It, not literally, but, but what it means is a delicate, an envoy, or a messenger. And so um, it could mean this with somebody with or without extraordinary status. And so I think that's something important to to Mark as well. So I think apostle in the general term um, is one that we could relate more in terms as a missionary. And so in, in this sense, I think that there are, are many who are called for such a purpose and this calling is being well exercised in the church today. I have uh, several um, brothers and sisters that have been missionaries have been called to different parts of the world. And so for us to think that apostleship is still a gift and a calling today, absolutely. Now I don't think I'm going to dig too deep into this today. Uh, the 12 disciples are often referred to as apostles as well, those who are sent out. And, um, you know, this can be called or, or maybe even better uh, looked at through the Great Commission, where Jesus says he sends the disciples out to all the nations. And so they were the original ones that were sent out. But in especially in the book of Acts, they're referred to um, several times in in the Gospels in, in the in Acts and through the Epistles, uh, these specific group of guys these these twelve guys or the eleven guys after Judas who are referred to as the apostles and so there by this implication there is some authority that um, that you see and that you have to kind of have an understanding that there there comes with this this word when it specifically talks about these twelve. In some denominations, they've actually used this term in, in this sense as well, even giving people this title, uh, apostle, kind of like we give our titles as as pastors um, to to those who are leaders of our congregation, and and so and, and I'm I'm okay with that. Um, however, I do want to make a very clear um, clarification on what the an apostle or even a pastor has. Because I, I think to decide that and to determine that is based off of what we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave some as apostles, as prophets, as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so I believe that the authority of an apostle is the same authority of that as a pastor in the sense for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of Christ. And I think that's the authority that they would have and the authority where it would end is to the building up, um, the equipping, equipping of the saints are for the building up of the body of Christ. Some have taken it to the idea that apostles have the authority to write scripture that they have the authority to um, supersede what was written in uh, the epistles and that we have, as we know, it's the Bible. And I I don't believe that. I I don't believe it for a minute. Um, There's several reasons why, um, and and I'm sure we can get into that later. One of the big reasons is is because uh, not all the apostles wrote letters that became Scripture. And not all of what we see in Scripture were actually written by apostles or by the original twelve apostles. Um, case in point: both Luke and Mark wrote gos or the Gospels. Um, both Luke and Mark were not of the original twelve, and um, and so they wouldn't have been considered the apostles then. And and so and then even even Paul, even though he refers to himself as an apostle. Uh, may not there's question and debate whether he was one of the the 12 apostles and the one that replaced judas but but there's no way to, to definitively say that he was other than he calls himself an apostle of jesus christ one who was sent out a messenger and so um anyways that was a great question uh, there's there's a lot that we can say on it but um uh, if you want me to expound, I can, but but maybe for a later episode. Because today we're going to continue on in our study of Abraham and Sarah. And remember, we're looking at this from Galatians chapter two, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter four, verses twenty two through twenty three. It, it says it, there, it says, "For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, and one by the free woman." But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh and the son by the free woman through the promise. And so last week we, or last time we looked at Abraham going into Egypt and remember he traded in this grace for the security of the flesh. So many of us do that. but But God said, no, Abraham, you're not going to do that. My grace is for you. Nobody else, you can't trade it in, and grace was returned back to him. And we think, oh, well, that's such a wonderful grace, but I'm sure that's the only time that Abraham did something like that. But not quite, not in fact. In fact, when we look in Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16, we we come to even more of the story with Abraham and Sarah. In fact, Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says, "Now Sarah was her name, but Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar." And so Sarah said to Abraham, "Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go unto my maid; perhaps I will obtain children through her." And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. And after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, uh, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So this this story of Sarah coming and and it's it's very interesting because Sarah, it says in verse 1, Abram's wife, she had no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Now, now this is interesting because in Genesis chapter 12, the story that we read, remember, Abraham was given uh, a gift for Sarah. Pharaoh took, he took, it says here, Pharaoh's officials saw Sarah and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake. He gave him sheep, oxen, uh, donkeys, male and female servants, and female donkeys and camels. So this is interesting because the story that we just covered last time, is quite possibly where Hagar actually comes into the story, and this is actually an extremely very real um, idea. Is that this is where she enters the story, and what's interesting to me is is this is you know when we make mistakes when when we sin, one of the things that you have to keep in mind is is that you know it says in the Bible that there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God. Right. And I have to take that at his word. There's nothing that you can um, or can't do. That's going to lose your salvation. And, and why? Because of grace. However, sin sin creates what we would call collateral damage in our lives. Meaning sin has this unintended effect that causes damage, and most of the time it's to those that we love the most. And in fact, we see this here in this story. And um, so so Hagar coming into the, this story here all the way back in Genesis 12, and we see that all of a sudden this sin... And that the damage that it's already done, it's kind of, it's coming back with Abraham and, and it's coming really back to, to bite him in the butt. Um, and so, but it goes on, it says, Sarah, as she said, she said, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I'll obtain children through her. And so Abram listened to her and this is essentially what she said, Lord, the promise is taking you way too long. It's not working out. We probably just need to help you out a little bit. You know what? You began in the spirit, Lord. I feel like we just need to complete this in the flesh. And that's essentially what she is saying and um, what's being said at this point. And so we go on in this story as it says that Abraham, he lived there. He went into the maidservant. But then look at here in Um, in verse four, at the end of verse four, it says, her mistress was despised in her sight, speaking of Sarah. And it goes on, it says, and Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. And so Sarah treated her harshly and she fled from her presence now this is a perfect picture of what the flesh and the spirit go through in fact first peter chapter 2 verse 11 it tells us that the flesh wages war against the spirit see we see that that the woman of the flesh and the woman of the promise are waging war against each other this is, it's a picture-perfect idea of what happens when we think that our flesh can do it better than God. This is what happens when we decide to stop living by God's grace and start walking in the flesh. We start trying to do things by our own efforts. No longer is it about God's grace, but it's all about the do's and the don'ts, the haves and the haves nots It's all about what can I do no longer Is it about what God is doing? And this is a spot that we can find ourselves in so often. In fact, it's a spot where the Galatians find themselves as well. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh here's what we do know is that grace is not relying on the works or efforts in short it's not relying on the flesh Rather, it's simply allowing him, Jesus Christ, to complete the work that he begun because he's faithful to complete what he has started. Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse six, I'm confident of this very thing that he who begun a work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And what a promise that is. That is grace. The Lord is doing a work in your life And he wants to complete it, but he wants to complete it the way he started it, through the Spirit. Quit trying to help God out. God doesn't want you to help him out. In fact, next time when we come together, we're going to see how God took the flesh, he rejected the works of the flesh, and he continued to extend grace to Abram. And so when we take a look at that, I want you to realize that, yeah, Abraham made mistakes. He made mistakes in the flesh. But God, he's going to reject the flesh, and he's going to continue to extend his grace towards Abraham. And that's going to be next time on the final part of What is Grace? God bless.